Good morning, everybody. Over the next 16 weeks, we're going to be focusing uh, our church on our church's mission to bring life and hope to the people around us. We're going to start with a couple of messages that deal with the motivations of bringing life and hope, like why, what, what gets us out of bed to do that? And then we'll dive in deeper and to discuss what this message is and how to understand and communicate it clearly. We'll talk about the things that hold us back from doing this and addressing some big questions that you may have and want to be able to explain to others as well. And we'll also look at a variety of other ways of sharing and bringing life and hope, the good news of Jesus. Our connect groups will be going even deeper into discussion on how to practice what we preach here on Sunday mornings. Uh, so I encourage you to join a connect group. And uh, if you would like to, you can fill out a next step card over at the tithes and offerings box, or you can come talk to me and I'll get you plugged in. God sends us to bring life and hope. Like a gardener planting seeds to see new life sprout. Or a delivery person who comes to give good gifts. Maybe Amazon, same day express. Or a social media influencer who loves to tell people what they love. But to plant seeds of life change. To deliver the greatest gift of hope. To tell the world of the greatest thing ever, the life-changing good news of Jesus. This is what it is to bring life and hope. Our scripture this morning is on John chapter 20, uh, verses 19 to 23. So I invite you to open your Bibles, Bible apps to John chapter 20. A little bit of context here. Uh, Jesus, God, the, the source of life, came to live among his people, fully human, showed us what the Father is like, and then people didn't like that, and they crucified him on a Roman cross. He died on the third day he rose again. His disciples were disillusioned and discouraged, but he revealed himself to them right there. First to Mary, then to Peter and John. And then we get to verse 19 here. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is God's word. Our main focus this morning is on Jesus' words in verse 21. In verse 21, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. Even so, I'm sending you. And just to note here, is he just speaking with his apostles, uh, the, the core 11 here? Or does it only apply 
uh, does it apply to everyone around, all the believers? David Gutzik helpfully points out that in Luke chapter 24, verse 33, it's describing this meeting on the evening of Resurrection Sunday. And check, listen to this. The 11 and those who were with them gathered together. It means that it was not only the apostles who received from Jesus the Holy Spirit and this commission. It was all of the followers of Jesus. So this word is applying to all of us as well. And we'll get into that. But let's start with prayer and ask our God to speak to us from his word. Jesus, I thank you for your word. We thank you for how it is life. We thank you for how you give us life and hope when we receive your word with meekness, with humility. When we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us this morning. Would you speak? Give us ears to hear, soft hearts to receive your word. Lord, empower us to respond by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God sends all followers of Jesus to follow Jesus' mission. God sends all followers of Jesus to follow Jesus' mission. That's our main point for this morning. And we're going to be focusing on three things. Answering the question of why has the Father sent Jesus? Secondly, in what ways are we sent like Jesus? And thirdly, what does it look like for us to go as sent ones? Why has he sent Jesus? How are we sent like Jesus? And what does that look like? Practically in our day-to-day. In the book, The Mission of God, by Christopher Wright, He used to look for the biblical basis for missions, but grew to prefer to explore the missional basis of the Bible. Mission is not just one of a hundred different biblical themes that we might explore. The Bible is fundamentally about mission and is even the product of that mission. The Bible is the product of mission. Think about that. We are not just people who do missions for God, but God himself is a missionary God. And we have the immense privilege of being incorporated into and involved in the mission of God. So a a little bit of a mind shift for some of us. But we're, we're invited into joining the the missionary God. And the word is all about God's mission. And in John 20, 21, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. God sends all followers of Jesus to follow Jesus' mission. So what is God's mission? And why has the Father sent Jesus? So let's look at that. Why is the Father sent? sent Jesus. Let's go through a wider context of the biblical story. 
God sent the first humans with this mission. In Genesis 1, 28, it says, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God made humans in God's image to reflect to the world what God is like, bringing fruitful life, creativity, culture, and care throughout the world. To bring God's government in caring and cultivating, bringing both order and life, dominion and flourishing, shalom, wholeness throughout the earth. This was God's mission. But humans rejected God's rule and turned away. And God saw this and it started to ruin creation and God's mission. So God sent a big restart with the flood. And in Genesis 9, verse 1, God, after having flooded the earth to, to kind of restart everything, he blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth. And God repeated this mission and commissioned Abram. So after the flood, it's like, oh, maybe things are going to be better. <laughs> Humans gathered together. We have the Tower of Babel. And they're trying to do things on their own mission to make a name for themselves. And God scatters them. It's not working again. And then he calls Abram. Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go... And he goes on to say, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And he continues on, verse 3, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is this go, be fruitful, multiply, and be a blessing, and spread blessing throughout the world through all nations. Later, in Genesis chapter 35, God speaks to Abram's, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, who he later renames Israel. And verse 11 says, God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. There's going to be kingdoms, there's going to be nations coming from your lineage, a legacy, to be a blessing to all nations. So go, be fruitful, and multiply. And Israel did become a nation. A nation sent as ambassadors to the world to show what God is like, to bring his shalom, his peace, his flourishing, his life and hope. But Israel rejected God and his mission Time and time again, they followed their own missions, their own desires, making up their own gods in their own likeness. So God called and sent prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel on his mission to call Israel back to God and his mission to bring life and hope to the nations. History is just this repetition of God calling his people, join me in this work, caring and cultivating, bringing life and hope and flourishing. And then they turn away. And then Galatians chapter 4, this is now getting into the New Testament, 
Galatians 4, 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, when the perfect fulfillment of time comes, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. At the right time in history, God said, I'm going to come and do it. I'm going to do the work that I've called my people to do. And I'm going to bring my people back to me. I'm going to redeem them that they would be received into the family of God. Jesus is the sent one, sent from the Father. God sent forth his Son to redeem us. G. Campbell Morgan, a Bible theologian, points out that there are only four chapters in John's Gospel in which he is not recorded as claiming to have been sent. Out of all 21 chapters, there's only four chapters where he is not repeating that he has been sent. Jesus is the sent one from the Father. The Father sent Jesus on mission. The Father sent Jesus on mission because of love. The Father sent Jesus on mission to seek and save the lost, to redeem and adopt The Father sent Jesus on mission as both the message and the messenger. And then God sends all followers of Jesus on Jesus' mission, you and I. God sends us on the same mission. So let's look at in what ways are we sent like Jesus? As the Father has sent me, says Jesus, even so I'm sending you. In what way? In English, we have the words sent and sending here. But in the Greek, we see him saying, as the Father has apostello me, even so I am pempo you. Two different words. Is there any difference? Well, the verb apostello stands for delegated authority. I'm giving this authority to you, and you're sent with that. The verb pempo often stands for dispatch under authority. I'm sending you, you're under my authority, and you're a representative. Okay? In the Gospel of John, though, he uses it almost interchangeably. So that's to be noted as well. Uh, Actually, Jesus many times says about himself being pempo, but also he says apostello. So it's just good to keep in mind. Where apostello shows up 28 times in John's gospel, pempo shows up 32 times. These are, you know, foreign words. So just say apostello right now, apostello. And pempo. Somebody was like, I wanted to say that. It's good to get out of your system here. All that said, it's important to note that there are ways in which Jesus was sent in unique ways that we are not sent. There are ways in which he's sent in in that same way we're sent, but there are some ways in which he's sent that we're not sent. It's important to note that. Consider 1 John chapter 4, 
verse 14, says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Are we sent to be the Savior of the world? No. We could unpack that further with a lot of scriptures, but for the sake of brevity. Come talk to me after the service. Four verses before that says, In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Or as the Christian Standard Bible would clarify, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The book of Hebrews speaks of how Jesus is the sacrifice from the Father to humanity for all time. For once. One sacrifice needed in Christ. His death on the cross for you and me. You and I are not sent to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. Okay, so there's a distinction there. Some people get Savior Messiah complex, so hopefully they should clear it up. You are not the Savior. Sometimes in, in ministry, or if you're on missions, sometimes we think, it's all on me, I'm, I, I'm the Savior. No, you're not. Jesus was sent from the Father to be the Savior, and we are sent to represent him. So in what ways are we sent like Jesus? Not sent from heaven to earth, not sent to die for people's sins, but sent on God's mission to bring people to God so that he might save them from their self-destructive ways, so that he might redeem them, so that they would receive the forgiveness and atonement for their sins so that they might be adopted in God's family as God has graciously done with us. We are sent as messengers and ambassadors to represent what the Father, what the Son are like in the power of the Spirit. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus begins his ministry reading this in the synagogue. The Spirit of the Lord, this, this is uh, from the book of Isaiah. He's opening up the scroll of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus has sent us with this same mission to proclaim to declare, bringing life and hope in word and deed, sent to share what we have received, sent from healing that we receive to heal, from forgiveness to bring forgiveness, from reconciliation to reconcile, from the life that we have in Christ to bring his life and hope. Because God sends all followers of Jesus to follow Jesus' mission. So we, we have a, a better idea, hopefully, of what that mission is and why the Father sent Jesus. How our mission is like and unlike Jesus'. 
What does it look like now to, for us to go as sent ones? What does it look like for us to go as sent ones on Jesus' mission? Firstly, we are sent in the way of Jesus, in his ways. All of his time with his disciples for three years, he was showing them how to live in this way. The first Christians, the group was called like the, the way. You're, are you a part of the way? And, and so he was showing them the way to live life. In the way of Jesus with love for all people. Being peacemakers. Of being people of justice. People who speak up for others. People who are generous. People who are humble. People who give sacrificially of themselves to others. And we are sent, secondly, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' own spirit. In verse 22, he, he said this. He said, peace be to you. He says, as the Father sent me, I send you. And then it says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them, which may have been a little bit awkward. I'm like, what was that like? Was it just like, Or was it, I don't know. But he breathed on them. They, they may have just been like, what? And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if that was a prophetic gesture. Because we, we know that later in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is later, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and the Samaria, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying you will receive the Holy Spirit. He'll come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses. So he's, he's saying, receive the Holy Spirit, and this will happen. So receive it. And then you'll be empowered. We're, thirdly, we're sent with the authority of Jesus. And I think this would be Pempo. Uh, that we are sent under his authority. He says in Matthew 28, verse 19, and Jesus said and came to them, came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, observe everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the very end of the age. All authority has been given to him. And with that authority, he says, go. There are also scriptures where it says that he has given us authority over cast, for casting out demons and bringing healing. But it's always his authority. And we, we don't want to step into presumption that I just wield my own authority. We're under his authority. We go in his authority. And we are sent with the priority of Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. Wow, to hear Jesus saying that. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was constantly 
reliant on the Father, and wanting to do the will of the Father. And we are sent with that same priority to do the will of our Father. And here we see what, what that is here. In, in Mark 1, 38, the, the disciples are like, Jesus, where have you been? There's so much more ministry to do in this town. And then he says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. He came to seek and save the lost and to preach the good news. In Mark chapter 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So we go, we're sent with the priority of Jesus in the way of Jesus to proclaim the good news that God wants to reconcile a world who has gone off on their own, on their own ways. We're sent with the priority of Jesus. It means to have our highest aim and our daily decision-making to fit in the focus of God's mission. Our highest aim, our daily decision-making to fit into the focus of God's mission. Have you ever heard of mission drift? Lift up your hand if you've heard of mission drift. Okay, a few people. Mission drift is when an organization quietly drifts away from their main mission. They're usually not very good connotations. It's like when a vegan restaurant starts introducing a bunch of meat lover dishes as maybe a marketing ploy. <laughs> the carnivores in the church say, yes, amen. When a, a company that was originally focused on developing eco-friendly products begins to prioritize profits over environmental sustainability. Uh, Greer and Horst, uh, co-authors of the book Mission Drift, uh, give the example of how George Williams first started the Young Man's Christian Association. Do you know what that is? The YMCA. As a Bible study for displaced men in London, England. A, as a Bible study. The core of this group was centered on learning about Christ, eventually training and commissioning over 20,000 missionaries. Wow, indeed. They, it was a Bible study to train and equip displaced men who were maybe aimless, and they became missionaries abroad. But as the organization grew and expanded to other countries, the focus became all about health and fitness with no reference to Christ. In 2010, the organization officially dropped three of its four letters to become simply the Y. But why? <laughs> Remo removing any remaining ties to its Christian roots. So if you think it was called the Young Man's Christian Association, it became the young. You, you just, that's mission drift for you right there. One stock market columnist gives the example of mission drift saying, well, big banks caught up with the financial crisis and they published mission statements that focused on integrity, competence, and 
building trusting relationships with customers. And yet high-risk behaviors ensued, contributing to the crisis and leading to mistrust about the firm's authenticity. Unfortunately, churches and Christians also get swept up into smaller, less important missions. And it distracts them from the greater mission that they're called to, that we're called to. Their main mission sometimes becomes social justice, and they turn the gospel into a social gospel. Their main mission sometimes becomes prosperity, and they turn the gospel into the prosperity gospel. Or they focus too much on politics, and they become a political gospel. Whatever becomes your main mission has great potential to derail you from God's main mission. I'll say that again. Whatever becomes your main mission has great potential to derail you from God's main mission. Where many people make their decisions based on money, God calls us to make our decisions based on mission. Where we, we may often ask, where am I going to live? Where am I going to work? God wants us to ask, where am I sent to bring life? What is your mission in life? Do you have a competing mission in your life? Another mission that pulls you away from God's grand mission to bring people to himself, to bring life and hope, to fill the earth with peace and wholeness and flourishing. Is there something that derails you from that? It's happened to me at times. And then I'm reminded, I get back in the scriptures, I'm reminded, this is the mission of God that has been going on for all of history. Let's get back into that instead of a smaller mission. God created this world to be filled with life and hope. And he created us to enjoy relationship with him in collaboration, in cultivating beauty and flourishing. But humanity turned from their creator, didn't we? We've rejected his mission. And when Jesus came to realign humanity to the mission of the Father, religious leaders with a mission of their own sentenced him to death on a cross. But it was on that cross, it was the, the crux of Jesus' mission that was completed. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will that purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? If you have a guilty conscience, something in your conscience that just needs to be settled, that you've sinned against the creator of the universe in some way, that you've ignored his mission in place of your own, then simply turn to Jesus for the first time or once again. The one who died on the cross to atone for your sins. Receive his gift of forgiveness. You don't receive it by doing deeds, but just by surrendering to him, by turning to him.
and he will purify your conscience. He will enable you to serve the living God on his mission and to bring life and hope to the world around you. God sends all followers of Jesus to follow Jesus' mission. You and I. He's calling you to himself. And he's calling you to join him in his mission, bringing life and hope. To see people redeemed, relationships restored, communities renewed, and the kingdom of God on earth, full of life and hope, fullness, flourishing. I'd like to invite the worship team to, to come up. As we're listening to this message, what goes through your mind? Is it, oh, maybe I've been caught up into a lesser mission? Well, let's just turn to Jesus. If it's, well, how do I start from here? Well, join us week after week. We're going to be unpacking that. If it's, I need to turn to God. Well, what better time than now? We all just respond right now in prayer. I invite you to join me in prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you came on the Father's mission. You were sent to seek and save the lost. And Lord, for those of us who have been following you, we have come as lost ones through the message of someone else. Thank you for them. Lord, we also want to be a part of your mission, bringing life and hope, reconciliation. Spreading your shalom, your wholeness, flourishing throughout the world. Lord, we come to you. We come to you first of all. We thank you that you don't cast anyone out who comes to you. You call those who are weary and heavy laden to come to you. You call those who are tired of religion, those who are disillusioned, you, you call them to come to you. We come to you, Lord. We ask that you forgive us for following lesser missions that turn us away from you. And we want to join you, Lord. Would you empower us by your spirit? Would you lead us along the way, your way, this week to bring your life and hope. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you.